Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. If you'll come with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll start in verse 23. This is Paul's admonition on how to observe what we have in common, communion. I want you to think about it for a moment. What is your ultimate common denominator with another person? Is it because you are from the same country? You are from uh, the same language group? Is it because you went to the same school or college and you cheer for that team? What's your ultimate common denominator? Maybe it has to do with um, the amount of cash you have or the class you feel like you're in. Maybe it's your zip code, the neighborhood that you live in, or your shoe size. I mean, what is your ultimate sense of common denominator connection? I would suggest to you that the ultimate common denominator is Jesus. I've gotten to travel all over the world, and it always amazes me to go to a foreign country and to meet a group of Christians and have this sense of instant connection, instant bond because of who we are in Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate common denominator. And that is what we will celebrate today, that in Jesus we have gone from being God's enemies to God's friends. We've gone from being rebels to eternal relatives because of what Christ has done for us at the cross. In just a few moments, we will celebrate what we have in common. The word communion literally means what we have in common, what we share, community, communicate. All of those are linked to the same root word. And we're going to communicate that our ultimate common denominator is Jesus Christ and what He did for us at the cross. We'll take a little wafer of bread. We'll take a cup. And my prayer is that we will not take it, but it will take us into the presence of God and tell us, remind us, imprint again afresh and new upon our heart what Jesus has done on our behalf. And that will solicit from us two things, thanksgiving and commitment. Now, before we come to receiving the elements of communion, I want to tell you a story I discovered some time ago. It was a story about one of the most unique communion experiences in the history of humanity. Let me take you back a few years. The year is 1957. Dwight Eisenhower has just formed a new organization called NASA, the National Aeronautic and Space Administration, because we are in a race with the Russians to develop rocketry, because there is this fear that technology is developing rapidly to deliver an intercontinental nuclear weapon. That was the heart of the space race. In 1961, in May, John F. Kennedy, the new president, comes before a joint meeting of Congress, and he creates a vision. He said, I want to challenge the American people to put a man on the moon in this decade. It was embraced. NASA went to work. Three to 400,000 people started to compile information on rocketry and how to send a man to the moon and safely bring him back. It was August the 16th, 
50 years ago, 1969, and three men were selected to go. Neil Armstrong was the captain of the team, the first man that would put foot on the moon. Then there was Michael Collins. He would fly the orbiter 30 times around the surface of the moon. And then there was Edwin Buzz Aldrin. Edwin Buzz Aldrin. And he would be the pilot of the lunar module. They came together. They traveled 250,000 miles, and they went to the moon. Now, Buzz Aldrin, you may or may not know, is a very strong believer. As a matter of fact, he was a deacon and elder in his church in Houston, Texas. Months before the mission, he met with his pastor, a man named Dean Woodruff, and they began to ask a fundamental question. How will I use this unique platform of being the first man to go and set foot on the moon along with Neil Armstrong? How will I use this as a witness for Jesus Christ? What a wise question to ask. And so they began to think and pray, and they came up with this idea that he would take the elements of communion to the moon. Talking about worldwide communion, this is out-of-this-world communion. He was going to use this opportunity in an unprecedented way. So Dean Woodruff assembled in his personal gear the elements, a vial of wine, a wafer of bread, and a chalice from the church, and then he hand-wrote one scripture. If you were going to take just one scripture to the moon with you, what would you take? Well, they prayed and they thought, and they thought their witness to the world would be John 15, verse 5. That's where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you will abide in me and I abide in you, then you will produce much fruit. So he was armed with these elements. They landed on the lunar surface at 817 on August the 20th, 1969. NASA asked that they wait five hours before they descend to the surface of the moon, Neil Armstrong going first, and prepare themselves. So Buzz Aldrin comes over the intercom, and it's the largest listening audience in the history of humanity. And he says, this is a time of thanksgiving for the accomplishment of man. But really, he was saying, this is a time of thanksgiving for the great accomplishment of God. Man's accomplishment is to send ourselves to the moon, but God's accomplishment is to send himself to the earth as our Savior. So they went into radio silence. And let me pick up his own words and give you his account of what happened. In the radio blackout, Buzz wrote, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine. I poured the wine into the chalice that our cup had given me. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the liquid slowly curled and gracefully came up the side of the cup. Then I read the, the words of Jesus from John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I ate the small wafer of bread. I swallowed the wine. I gave thanks for the intelligence and spirit that had brought two young pilots to the sea of tranquility. It was interesting for me to think 
the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the very first food ever eaten there were the communion elements as a witness to the reality of our Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> what was Buzz doing? He was celebrating with gratitude what the Lord had accomplished in his life. Now, on the return voyage, Buzz had one other opportunity that became a platform to share his witness. Again, the world was listening. They had completed the mission. They were traveling back, and he was given the microphone, and he made this statement. He said, when I think of what we've accomplished, my mind goes to Psalm chapter 8. And Psalm chapter 8 says, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. When I consider the work of your fingers and your hands, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you have taken thought of him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and majesty, and you have made him to rule over the work of your hands. You see, here's the takeaway point, friends. Buzz Aldrin asked this question, how can I use my unique platform to share a powerful witness for Jesus Christ? So wise people will consistently ask, how can you use your platforms? Your platform may not be sharing communion on the moon, but you can share communication on the earth about who Jesus Christ is in your life. You have the capacity to share the good news of His love and light with everybody you encounter. Now, in just a moment, we're going to receive a living witness. We're going to take the bread and the cup. And right now, Douglas and David, would you uncover this table? This table is the Lord's table. And here at First Baptist, we observe open communion. That just means we invite anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ to participate. But the Scripture tells us, as we uncover this table, that we should indeed uncover our hearts. I want to read to you what the Scripture tells us. It's in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a man examine himself. In the same way we've uncovered this table in prayer, let us uncover our hearts. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Father, we come very humbly and intentionally into your holy presence right now, and we ask that you would let us come to a full spiritual attention and alertness. Lord, would you identify anything in our attitudes, our actions, our relationships 
that do not honor you. We ask, Father, that you cleanse us right now and prepare us to take the holy elements of the bread and the cup, acknowledging that these elements symbolize your love and sacrifice for us, and they provide for us an opportunity to proclaim afresh and anew our love and commitment to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And they took the bread.
so much. Jesus had gathered His disciples into that upper room for a final meeting, a last supper. They're completing communion. He had taken the elements of the Passover meal, including the unleavened bread, and He explained to them that from this day forward, this bread would represent His body, His body which would be bruised and beaten and bloodied on their behalf. And I can imagine that they never touched a piece of bread without thinking of that moment and the sacrifice of the Savior. I would have you take just for a moment this bread and in the theater of your imagination, transform it into a piece of paper. A thank you note. What if you took this piece of paper and said, Lord Jesus, I want to acknowledge what you have done for me through your sacrifice as my Savior. I want to thank you for being my Lord, my Redeemer. I want to thank you for anointing me and appointing me. I want to thank you that you love me more than I can imagine. Oh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have forgiven my sin, made me part of your family now and forever. Lord Jesus, you have filled me with resurrection power. Think of all the things that you have to be thankful for. And then take this tiny piece of bread, see it as God's blessing, and make it part now of who you are. After Jesus had taken the bread, he then shared the cup, and he said the cup from this day forward will be the new covenant representing my shed blood. We learn in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is like a high priest, and unlike the high priest on earth who would take the blood of a lamb or a bull or a goat, Jesus took his own pure, precious blood into that holy of holies. We learn that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So in this moment, we are going to take the cup, and I want you to see it as the cup of the new deal, the new covenant that calls you to commitment in following Christ. And they took the cup.
when Jesus shared the cup with the disciples, he explained that this is my blood, which will be shed on your behalf. And it creates a new deal, a new opportunity, a new agreement between the two of us. He is basically saying, I want you to understand, I am giving for you my best, my highest, my most, my all. And I expect for you to give the same back to me. Jesus, after the cup had been consumed, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there we learned of another cup. Jesus took the cup of God's will, and he agonized over it to the point of sweating drops of blood. But finally, he relented. He said, not my will, Lord, but I will consume the cup of your will. I will give myself for this world. In just a moment, we're going to drink this cup, and let's call it the cup of commitment. But I believe it provides an opportunity for each of us to examine what kind of commitment we have to the Lord Jesus. We know what He's done for us. He gave His all for us, but what are you giving back to Him? Right now, what does your commitment look like? Perhaps it used to be strong and solid. Jesus was the centerpiece of your life, but maybe mispriorities have taken over the center. And your walk with the Lord is not what it used to be. Maybe instead of soaring, it's snoring. Maybe it's losing ground instead of gaining speed. Why don't you examine your commitment right now? Do you have the same hunger for the Lord that you used to? Do you have that hunger for worship and for His Word? Do you share your witness for Christ? Or is it somewhat of a routine, a drudgery? It doesn't have to stay in that zone. Do you know right here, right now, you have the opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming back. Count me in. I know that you gave your best, your most, your all for me. And right now, from this moment forward, count me in. I'm going to give my best, my most, my all for you. I'm committed. And if that is your heart, join me right now in taking a cup of commitment. Well, after the disciples completed the Lord's Supper, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then Jesus traveled to the cross, and He extends an invitation to follow Him, to travel with Him. This is your opportunity in this closing part of the service to respond to His invitation. What has the Lord said to your heart right now? Could it be that there's somebody here, and the deep need of your life is to have a Savior if you would admit that you are a sinner who needs a Savior, do you know what Jesus will do for you? He will do for you what He did for me. He will fill up that void, that vacuum in your heart with His love and His light, His presence, His peace, His power for eternity. So right now, if you need to ask Jesus to come into your life, say, Jesus, come in and be unashamed of Him. Stand for Him. In just a moment, it will lead us in a hymn of commitment. could be that some of you need to join this church family. Oh, this is a call to serve. Remember, communion is what we have in common, but it's also linked to the word community. This church is an authentic community of committed Christ followers, and you would be so blessed to be part of it, and we would be blessed to have you here. So right now, the door is wide open, and if you need a church family, why hesitate? Why delay? Why not come today and connect in? But here's the bottom line. Like Buzz Aldrin, you know what you need to be asking? 
Lord, what kind of opportunities, what platforms are you going to give me to share your good news with my world? Oh, you won't be having communion on the moon, but you'll have communication even today on this earth. And use that communication to lift up the Lord Jesus, and you'll produce some fruit more valuable than a moon rock, I guarantee. Let's stand together. Let's sing. If you need to, won't you come and meet me here at the foot of his cross? Please come now. When we walk Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.